0: Wrestling fans, it's true, it's damn true. The Lone Wolf Baron Corbin put his hands on a WWE official and has been suspended for one whole week. Ginger Mahal has stolen the WWE Championship from Randy Orton and escaped in a limousine. Charlotte and Naomi's title match ends in controversy. Braun Strowman is a dumpster diving loser, and this is Wrestle Rant Radio. Welcome to the show. I'm Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews bringing you the front to end WWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at NextEraWrestling.net. Graham, we are days away from the payback pay-per-view on the WWE Network. What were your thoughts this week leading up to Payback? Lots of things going on right now in the WWE. A lot of things. That Payback is a Raw-branded uh, WWE Network event. Um, there, We're going to see a lot of interesting matches. Maybe the most talked about match so far is the uh, 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 elusive and uh, kind of amorphous House of Horrors match, which I'm sure we can... Dissect all kinds of pieces in that, but that sees SmackDown Live's Randy Orton coming into a Raw pay-per-view, uh, and this isn't necessarily kind of a mixed pay-per-view between Raw and SmackDown Live. What do you make of the fact that this House of Horrors match has been talked about all week, all leading up to this, and is talked about in the sense that this was booked prior to the Superstar Shakeup, and therefore has to... Be, is some is what what do you make of that uh, stipulation that it beca- just because it was booked before they they're not going to cancel it why why do you think that is
1: well i would argue that it would make sense if bray wyatt was still entitled to his title rematch but apparently at last word according to wwe.com this match is not for the wwe title so bray wyatt's not getting his contractually obligated championship rematch so why the match is happening at all i really can't tell you other than the fact that bray wyatt really wants to get revenge on randy orton other than that, this match really does not make much sense. And even more so than that, we talked about it last week. What does this match exactly entail? We only really found out this week. The only thing we really know about this match is that it will start in a quote-unquote house of horrors and end up in the ring. That's all we know right now.
0: Well, to, to put a little bit of a, a backstory onto maybe how this match uh, was built, I, it seems like uh, Bray Wyatt uh, may have had a, an, an original intention to shift between perhaps Raw and Smackdown Live and maybe this is just the first glimmer into what could be brewing for Bray Wyatt down the line maybe this isn't Raw it might not be his final home destination maybe he doesn't have a home now that Randy Orton's burned it to the ground Um, there's really no telling what Bray Wyatt is going to bring to the table in a match like this but it doesn't sound good and for Randy Orton especially to have like disturbed a hornet's nest of uh, emotions in Bray Wyatt right now what do you think Bray Wyatt's strongest approach to this match is going to be and why does Bray Wyatt need to win
1: well he probably knows more about this match than Randy Orton does I mean in terms of what to expect he probably this is his environment this is his Punjabi prison this is his um, yeah, you know, the the Ring of Fire or whatever that we called it years ago with the uh, the Inferno match. This is his specialty match. From what we can only really assume, again, we know nothing for certain as of right now. That being said, Randy Orton is at a distinct disadvantage. Could we see interference from SmackDown's Eric Rowan? Could we see Lou Harper get back in the mix? Again, we don't know what the rules of this match are that has to benefit Bray Wyatt. He thrives in uncertain situations where nothing is for a fact. Bray Wyatt does very well in those types of matches. We've seen him win TLC matches, steel cage, the list goes on and on. Um, In terms of why he needs to win this match, the WWE Championship is not his top priority. He dropped that championship at WrestleMania to Randy Orton. Of course, his sights are not set in getting the gold back anytime soon. This match is not for the championship, as I alluded to earlier. But he needs to win this match, if only to get his momentum on the right track, now that he's a part of the Raw roster. He cannot enter Monday night's with a loss of steam coming over from SmackDown, with a win over the WWE Champion, SmackDown's top dog, he goes in a Raw as the with a, with a huge target on his back as the guy to be on Monday nights. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now it was uh, during uh, SmackDown Live this week that Jinder Mahal, uh, with the help of the Bollywood Boys from out of nowhere, essentially uh, uh, attacked Randy Orton in the middle of the ring. Um, This was after a a scheduled match that Randy Orton uh, had against uh, Eric Rowan, a no disqualification match, which seemingly the stipulation got added out of nowhere. Um, It's interesting that management continues to book Randy Orton against, not only against the Wyatts, people that he formerly sided with, he's a champion, you know, uh, first of all. But they're giving a lot of stipulations in favor of Wyatt members. So not only did Randy Orton endure and uh, come up victorious against Eric Rowan, but he was then met in the ring by Jinder Mahal and the Bollywood Boys and was completely taken out of the picture to the point where Jinder Mahal walked off with the WWE title, which is uh, an interesting moment because now it, it literally can't be defended at payback this weekend. So what did you make before and we're gonna jump into SmackDown live in just a bit and everything, but while we're here, what did you make of that match with Eric Rowan and how it concluded?
1: I thought it was a decent effort. I mean, like you said, a no disqualification stipulation obviously stemming from the match that Orton and Rowan had two weeks ago when we were at SmackDown ending in a disqualification, a non-decisive finish, with Eric Rowan laying out Orton afterwards. So having no rules, no count outs, no disqualifications Worked in the favor of Eric Rowan, like I said, with a lot like Wyatt, and anarchist, uh, thriving in, in situations in times of chaos, but... Came up short, still an entertaining effort from both guys. Orton getting that momentum boost and route to payback on Sunday before that was kind of taken away, as you alluded to earlier from the attack from Jinder Mahal and the Singh brothers, Bollywood boys, what have you. Um, so I, I thought it was well done, obviously, kind of served two purposes. It served two masters here and building towards that House of Horrors match and kind of eliminating the threat of Eric Rowan ahead of that matchup and also Jinder Mahal making a statement en route to Backlash next month.
0: Now, does this kind of... Uh this run as champion that Randy Orton's having right now. He's in some matches that you don't normally see a champion have to endure. Kevin Owens certainly didn't have to endure random matches against Eric Rowan and no disqualification stipulations. Do you think Randy Orton's inviting some of this in because without the authority, without, you know, a team behind him uh kind of guiding him through the the days of being a champion? He seems to just kind of be going out there and, and continuing on as a singles competitor that just happens to be a champion. Do you get the sense that Randy Orton is uh, uh, more interested in combat and, and challenge than he is in, in gold anymore?
1: Absolutely, I would could not agree more with that. Just in the just in the, in the regards that Orton as champion to me is not compelling. Um, not to say that he's better in chase mode, but. Yeah, he he he's a predator. I mean, you know, he's the apex predator. He likes to hunt people down. He does not like to be the hunted, in which he is as WWE champion. So him as champion doesn't really do much for me. Again, we're only three, four weeks into his WWE championship reign. We've seen it before, Tuesday, April 25th. Um, exactly 15 years to the day that Orton competed against Rowan on, on Tuesday SmackDown. He debuted in WWE against Hardcore Holly in the WWE on SmackDown. So, I mean, obviously a lot has changed in 15 years for the Viper, for Randy Orton. But that being said, uh, where he goes from here, how he continues to evolve is really anyone's guess.
0: Yeah, and it's, it, it'll be interesting to see what the outcome of this match is. Bray Wyatt certainly has so much vengeance and, and uh, certainly has a vendetta to pay back. To Randy Orton for all of the things that he is uh, Randy Orton has gone out of his way to disturb Bray Wyatt in a number of ways, uh, you know not only going as far as to earning his trust to becoming his brother, becoming one of the family, but to then destroy that family, burn its ashes to the ground, and then continue to dance on them i think uh, is is an interesting approach for the wWE champion to take. Um, It certainly goes right back to what we were just talking about, that Randy Orton is now more of a competitor that's interested in hunting, and the belt uh, might not mean as much to him as it did in the past. So it'll be interesting to see the outcome of this House of Horrors match, how this starts, how this even comes up. We saw glimpses of it at WrestleMania this year with bugs in the ring and things like that. Um, uh, Will that be uh, the horrors that we are going to be witnessing? Uh, we, uh, We will see. Uh, But uh, speaking of uh, from one championship to the next, the Raw Women's Championship will be defended at Payback. This is a match I'm very much looking uh, forward to. Uh, Current champion uh, Bayley will be taking on former SmackDown Live Women's Champion Alexa Bliss in Alexa's first Raw Championship title match. I think that Alexa has overcome an incredible amount of competition to get this spot. It it seems meteoric, in my opinion, that Alexa Bliss is already facing Bailey for the Raw Women's Championship. And I have I, I have to believe that there's a good amount of um, ability for Alexa to walk out uh, a champion. What do you think?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean. Bailey what makes this match interesting is that Bailey enters the event as the defending champion, but she's also in her hometown of San Jose, California. So all the spotlight, all you know, all, all the focus is on Bailey coming into this contest. But like you said, Alexa Bliss is not one to be overlooked. And she has in the past, and she's come out with gold on every single occasion. A former two-time SmackDown women's champion. Her first match is part of the raw roster, winning a fatal four-way star-studded matchup. To earn this championship match of payback, beating Mickie James, Sasha Banks, Nia Jax. That's a who's who of the women's division on Raw. So Alexa Bliss has to be the favorite here for me. I'm going with Bailey. We've seen her come out on top against Charlotte. She won at WrestleMania when the odds were stacked against her. So with the odds stacked against her once again on Sunday, I'm going to go Bailey. But I would not be surprised to see Alexa Bliss capture the championship as well.
0: Absolutely. And do, you, do you feel like there's any possibility for one of any of the the three other competitors you just mentioned to play a role in a potential disqualification of this match? I think that uh, out of maybe out of anyone in that pile, Nia Jax uh, certainly feels wronged in a number of ways since, uh, uh, you know, everything was shaken up in the WWE universe. She was on the cusp of having a number of opportunities only to have more people uh, put in her way. And Alexa Bliss kind of, you know, at the expense of Nia Jax got this opportunity, you know, and we have seen Sasha Banks certainly be no stranger to interfering in Bayley's matches, uh, mostly in Bayley's favor. Do we? Do you feel like there's any chance of like foul play here, or is this going to be a straight one-on-one like brawl for all?
1: No. Now that you mentioned, I think there is a pretty good chance. And brawl for all, terrible concept, by the way. <laughs> um, but in terms of the women's match, yeah, I think there's a pretty decent chance we could see either Nia Jax get involved, Sasha Banks. The whole thing with Sasha just has me just—it's nauseating to me. Sasha and Bailey, the Good Two Show. Something's got to give at some point. Maybe a little later on down the line with Nia Jax, though. She was noticeably absent from Monday's Raw. So being overlooked in the championship picture, she was not pinned in that fatal 4-Way match from Raw a couple of weeks ago. So there's a good chance she shows up here and lays up both Bliss and Bailey, in her route to getting another shot at that championship.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, there's just going to be uh, you know, a number of championships on display at Payback on Sunday. And uh, the match I might it's a hard contender to see which match I'm I'm the most excited about because payback is shaping up to be uh, pretty uh, uh, stacked when it comes to the opposition on both sides. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of tension building between the competitors that are going to be. At Payback. I mean, we've already talked about Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, a long history there. Uh, Bailey and Alexa Bliss is something new, but Alexa Bliss's uh, you know, thirst for gold is, is not new to anyone who has been following Alexa Bliss since NXT, nor is Kevin Owens. Desire to always have a belt on his shoulder. Kevin Owens, the current United States champion, the face of America, another SmackDown Live transplant, will be appearing on a Raw branded pay-per-view to face Chris Jericho with the added stipulation that if Chris Jericho wins, he goes to SmackDown Live. I don't know exactly what he gets out of that move, but he will also win the United States championship back to where I think it belongs right now. Kevin Owens makes a poor face of America, even though he has shaved, which is a step in the right direction, I suppose, and gotten a new haircut and seems to be dressing, you know, less in like, you know, black T-shirts and black shorts. But that being said, Kevin Owens is a huge force to be uh, reckoned with right now. And I don't necessarily believe that Chris Jericho has learned from his time as Kevin Owens' so-called best friend or has learned from the matches that they've had together to come up with a way to beat Kevin Owens. It seems that Kevin Owens has the, the upper hand here, but I'm, I'm interested to hear what you think about this match and what the possibility is of Chris Jericho ending up on the same show as Sami Zayn and having Kevin Owens right there in his face.
1: Yeah, Kevin Owens would not be in an optimal position if that happened. But yeah, what's weird about this match, again, is that you, you typically see matches where if the loser, you know, whoever loses, they get kicked off the show. And they have to go to the opposite brand, leave the company, blah, 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 blah. Loser leaves town. But in this case, the loser, Kevin Owens, if he loses, he stays on SmackDown. If Chris Jericho wins, he switches shows. So, again, it's it's a bit convoluted, but it does make sense. This feud has kind of been in a purgatory for a couple of weeks just because, as we said, Jericho's on Raw. Kevin Owens is on SmackDown. They have not really appeared on each other's shows at all, which I I appreciate but at the same time, Jericho's focus has been on like Samoa Joe on Raw. This week it was on the Miz. Whereas with Kevin Owens, a new number one contender has already been crowned to the United States Championship on AJ Styles. And his sights have been set on um on AJ Styles in recent weeks. So that being said, with Kevin Owens and AJ going forward, that's the feud that's already kind of set in stone for payback for the backlash pay-per-view rather. Jericho's kind of an afterthought does that affect Kevin Owens does he have too many people on his plate right now we'll see how that how that plays out I think Owens does come out on top retain the title but I'll be interesting I'm interested to see how it plays out
0: I believe I believe you're right I think that uh Kevin Owens is is gonna find a way to win uh, against Chris Jericho again because I feel like he's determined that that's uh, the only conclusion for this match that's going to happen and Chris Jericho certainly has to, to not only beat Kevin Owens, but also win a championship. And those matches you know, are, are pretty much uh, in the favor of the champion. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The other interesting thing about Kevin Owens right now, Kevin Owens has been, um, uh, as you were mentioning, uh, been face-to-face with AJ Styles a lot. It's interesting to me that AJ Styles is bothering at all with the United States Championship when he was completely right deadlocked in line to be facing randy orton for the wwe championship why kevin owens is commanding more attention as if he is still universal champion is a little bit shocking to me and here we have shinsuke nakamura looking face to face in a very deadpan uh and completely non-funny's dolph ziggler um and i'm wondering why aj styles Shinsuke Nakamura and even Kevin Owens aren't just focused on getting the WWE championship right now. Kevin Owens seems content to, to be the face of whatever he decides to be, but AJ Styles doesn't seem content with anything. Uh, and Shinsuke Nakamura certainly didn't come here to, you know, wave his hands and, and dance around. So w- what do you think, long term, if Chris Jericho stays on Raw... What is next for Kevin Owens? Is it AJ Styles forever or is it, it or does AJ make quick work of Kevin Owens beyond that?
1: Again, another logic gap with WWE recently. Kevin Owens said right after he lost the Universal Championship at Fastlane a little over a month ago, he said, "My sights are set on avenging the loss or, uh, of the Universal Championship against Jericho and getting his championship after he lost that title." A bit confusing. And he said he would get his rematch at some point for the Universal Championship. He never did unless it happened in a live event. I don't remember that happening at all. So I don't know if that transfers over to the WWE championship, but you got to know as as much fun as he's having right now as this so, you know, self-proclaimed face of America. He's going to make more money as the World Champion as the WWE Champion. So You know what? It's not even unprecedented for him to not only be United States champion, but go after the WWE title as well. We saw that with Seth Rollins a few years ago. He was holding both championships. We could see something similar with Kevin Owens. Money in the Bank is right around the corner. If he can get past AJ Styles, if he wins on Sunday, presumably then he can win the Money in the Bank briefcase and Money in the Bank in a couple of months and earn that championship, you know, shot immediately.
0: Yeah, no, and there's nothing Kevin Owens would love more than to have two championships. (laughs) So I'm sure, and, and, you know, following in the footsteps of Seth Rollins as he has done so far uh, in his career uh, at the WWE, you know, being favored by management, going out on his own without management's help, you know, still kind of uh, uh, being that presence that he is. But speaking of Seth Rollins, uh, Seth Rollins is going to have a, a, a match uh, that I'm not sure he can win at payback. He certainly wants to compete at, at a level and, and pay back Samoa Joe for the damage that Samoa Joe did to his leg. And I find it interesting that Samoa Joe has uh, not necessarily put his focus into Seth Rollins of, of recent You know, there's been a lot of more uh, singles matchups and actual competition that the two have faced, but for a while, Samoa Joe was just attacking Seth Rollins uh, left and right. Do you think that Seth Rollins has any kind of advantage over Samoa Joe right now?
1: Seth Rollins, I mean, a man that has nothing has everything to gain. I mean, he really has nothing to lose. He had just gotten injured for a second time, was out for over two months, had his first match back at WrestleMania. So at this point, he really has everything to gain. And as I've said before, his ultimate goal is getting back WWE world title gold. And his first step in doing so is overcoming Samoa Joe. If he can do that on Sunday, maybe Brock Lesnar's not far behind.
0: Now, this is the same Samoa Joe, though. This isn't just any competitor. This is a Samoa Joe that completely tore out Seth Rollins' knee, Right. Required surgery, it was a complete up in the air whether Seth Rollins would even be making it back for WrestleMania. He had to sign a contract at WrestleMania not even that long ago to have the stipulations of health and and bodily concern dropped so that he could fight Triple H for essentially what what Seth Rollins said live was, you know, out of pride. Do you think that Seth Rollins' pride is going to get his knee smashed up again by Samoa Joe?
1: He very well could. I mean, like you said, Samoa Joe's not one to be underestimated. I mean, the guy has been undefeated with what I think a lot of people tend to forget. He's been running rampant on the Raw roster since he arrived a couple of months ago, taking out Cesaro, Chris Jericho, Sami Zayn, the list goes on and on. And now Seth Rollins. If he can knock out Seth Rollins, he's doing Triple H's duty for him. He's doing what Triple H wanted to do but couldn't at WrestleMania. So yeah, Seth Rollins with his pride... Um, that that could prove to be a detriment to the architect, so we'll see how it plays out. But I'm looking forward to this match, the first ever one-on-one encounter between Joe and Rollins. It should be explosive.
0: Meanwhile, Brock Lesnar holds the WWE Universal Title on a compound in Michigan, I presume. Um, <laughs> but that is something that Seth Rollins and Samoa Joe are, I'm, I'm certain, are have their sights set on. So essentially, both of them are standing in each other's way, and Samoa Joe has already proven that he's willing to do anything to take his competition out of play. So I feel like Samoa Joe is going to come up with a a very uh, big early career defining win here that's going to set him on a path of destruction that could potentially lead to the WWE uh, Universal title. And I think that Seth Rollins, unfortunately, coming, you know, a huge fall from grace like we had just talked about, one time holding both the WWE Championship and the U.S. Championship at the same time, and and with almost with total ease, I just that Seth Rollins is not there anymore, and now the Seth Rollins that we see is clawing himself back into that main event, and I certainly think he has the skill set to do so. Whether his body believes that is uh, up for debate, and time will tell. But a match that's going to be a blast, a lot of fun, uh, and a huge. Um, point of uh, competition and wrestling excellence is going to be the Raw Tag Team Championship match between the Hardy Boys, who are the current Raw Tag Team champions, and Sheamus and Cesaro. We saw an incredible ending to uh, the ladder match at um, WrestleMania, uh, and Sheamus and Cesaro have been in the Hardy Boys' face ever since, but... You know, as as competitive as it gets, it seems to be a modicum of respect between all the competitors, which is why I think that this is going to be the wrestling match of the evening when it comes to payback. I don't necessarily see a lot of um spiteful payback uh you know overtones in the way that these two teams approach each other but i think they're approaching it as competitively as as possible and the hardy boys are taking everything seriously right now especially matt is looking a little uneven uh at points but it all comes back together right at the end and and matt and jeff have been cruising since they have returned to the wwe sheamus and cesaro have also uh done and held their own ground um I want to say that I would love to see Sheamus and Cesaro sneak a win here. That would be that that would that would be the thing that I would love to see most come out of Payback.
1: I agree. I mean, I think two weeks ago, if you asked me, I would have said, you know, Hardy Boys absolutely walking out of Payback, still the Raw Tag Team Champions. But after what we've seen for the past two weeks, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, last week we saw Jeff Hardy topple Cesaro in singles competition. Cesaro, they were a little hesitant to shake the hands of the Tag Team Champions, but they did. This week, Matt Hardy beat Sheamus, and they were even more hesitant this week to talk, to uh, shake the hands of and the tag team it, and champions. And it was
0: Cesaro that was the most vocal yeah. about not wanting to do that. And it was Sheamus in kind of a rare character switch for she- Cesaro and Sheamus that Sheamus was more comfortable shaking their hands and, exactly. and, and smoothing that over. But it's interesting because I think it, it it's it's an intensity that uh, perhaps the Hardy Boys aren't used to quite seeing all the time. Yeah, those I mean, she- Sheamus and Cesaro are not only physically imposing, but they are intense. Mm-hmm. And the Hardy Boys have been going and traveling pretty much the whole world and and working all over the place, and they're a little bit exhausted, and they're brand new to this WWE cycle. I feel like it gives Sheamus and Cesaro somewhat of an edge if they can really focus all of the things they've learned over the last month plus.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think with Cesaro and Sheamus, the weird thing, the the way that I look at it is that the fact they've been doing it by the books, very goody two-shoes, that hasn't gotten them anywhere in recent months. It lost them the tag team titles at the club. That had them come up short of WrestleMania. It had them lose the Hardy Boys in back-to-back singles matches in recent weeks. I think they feel that they need to go the extra mile and maybe cheating to win the Windows Tag Team Championships. Maybe that's the only way the Hardy Boys can be beaten.
0: Well, it certainly seems like Cesaro has come around to pretty much anything Sheamus may or may not want to do ever, and I think Cesaro is right there. I think they are starting to gel as as an official, like locked-down, solid tag team. And I haven't seen Cesaro, uh, dare I say, enjoy himself Mm -hmm. since the days of, uh, of working with Tyson Kidd. You know, it it really feels like these these two guys who initially couldn't stand to be next to each other have turned their collective talents into one of the most devastating, you know, uh, teams in in WWE today. Mm-hmm. And if they continue the course, and they can put belts on their shoulders anytime they want, they could be historic, making tag team champions right here. If, if they, this is the type of team where. If it continues to gel, they could make a career out of being a, a team together, and that maybe that's not the brass ring that Sheamus and Cesaro individually ever thought that they would be going after, but it could turn into the most valuable thing and part of their careers and lives that has ever happened. And if they take that ball and run with that, it seems to be really in their grasp. What do you, what do you think about? them turning into something beyond what we've known of Sheamus and Cesaro like separately
1: I mean like you said it reminds me of the aforementioned duo of Cesaro and Tyson Kidd I mean we, we you kind of knew they were going to have chemistry from the get-go but they were two established singles guys being brought together really out of nothing else to do Cesaro and Sheamus kind of the same thing but they form this amazing alliance. They work so well together. We've seen such great matches from them. Like I said, at WrestleMania, against the club, against the New Day, at Roadblock late last year. These guys work very, very well together. And when you see tandems like this, more often than not, they they start to catch fire, and then they go their separate ways and go after the mid-card or world championships or whatever. In this case, I really hope they stick it through. They remain a unit, and they can really become, as you said, a long-term uh, one of the best tag teams in recent years.
0: Yeah, I, it, they, they have every single skill set, move set, and, and devastating blow that they could possibly give to win any tag team championship match and uh, hopefully the Hardy boys, even though they've seen some singles competition the last couple weeks, are ready for tag team action. Agreed. Um, It certainly seems like uh, Sheamus and Cesaro are. But it'll be interesting to see how, uh, segueing into the next match here, the cruiserweight champion, the self-proclaimed king of the cruiserweights, Neville, we'll see how casual he is against a very amped up Austin Aries. Um, Austin Aries has uh, made no... um, uh, even uh, positive remarks towards Neville at all. and, And doesn't seem to consider Neville a King of much of anything. Austin Aries, uh, walks in with as much swagger as Neville does. So I don't believe that Neville is psyching Austin Aries out in any way where I think Neville intimidates a good number of the rest of the cruiserweight division. Um, Neville also has just been on such a tear that it doesn't see. It seems like you're gonna have to pry that out of his cold dead hands to get that championship belt away from him. He's going to be the king. It seems like it's going to be for a long time. Is this Austin Aries' chance? Is this his moment?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I said, he came up short at WrestleMania, but like I alluded to last week, this time there's the T.J. Perkins factor. He's been aligned with, uh, with with Neville in recent weeks. If T.J. Perkins plays a factor in the finish, and it would not be surprised if he did, The Neville retains the title. But this could be Austin Aries. Not only his time, but this could be his last chance. And again, a desperate man is a dangerous man. And we could see that with the greatest man who ever lived. On Sunday, Austin Aries finally dethroning the King and Neville. And they made a great point out of it on Tuesday's 205 Live. I think it might have been Corey Graves or maybe Tom Phillips. I think it was Tom Phillips. He had said that Neville has not been beaten in a one-on-one match since October. That is incredible. Wins and losses matter in WWE, and Neville has certainly cemented that fact in recent months as the Cruiserweight Champion. With another win over Austin Aries, I honestly think no one can come close to dethroning Neville as the King of the Cruiserweights.
0: No, I absolutely absolutely agree. There's no one in the Cruiserweight division right now that is a much of a contender for that title as austin aries is and um maybe this is uh if if austin aries gets disqualified that's one thing okay that doesn't take anything away from austin aries but if he can't come up with a win and is beaten by neville one two three clean in the middle of the ring i think it it's time for austin aries to evaluate you know whether or not the cruiserweight division is for him You know, I I think that that's very much uh, a concern for Austin Aries Mm -hmm. to see if this whole experiment of being a cruiserweight challenger is where his talents are are best fit. Because I could also see him going for, you know, intercontinental titles. Uh, I could see him and Dean Ambrose facing off one on one against each other would make a whole hell of a lot of sense. Um, because Austin Aries would take that title and make it as prestigious as any former um, uh, attention-seeking intercontinental champion would would make that belt. Uh, but Neville has uh, that element of TJ Perkins and is building a, a small court, if you will, of people that uh, may be interested in, in seeing the king uh, retain his crown there. But I can't imagine that T.J. Perkins' long game involves Neville can always being better than him. So, does it really benefit T.J. Perkins to interfere in this match? Maybe Neville's convinced him of so, but we and we've certainly seen them buddy buddy for the last couple of weeks. So, I think you're right. I think it, it has to play a huge factor, and I think this this match, out of any match, has DQ written all over it. Um, but not to not to conclude our talks of payback. With the kickoff show, I just find the kickoff show for Payback, the matches that have been announced to be some of the best matches on the night. We're going to see The Miz um, is going to be uh, appearing with Finn Balor uh, on the kickoff show. We don't know if this is a match. I don't think it is. Just Um, Miz TV. It's going to be Miz TV, but we always know how Miz TV kind of breaks down pretty quickly. Yep um dean ambrose is also kind of nowhere to be seen right now do you think that there's a possibility that out of Miz tv a match is built and right then and there we're going to see maybe a, a three-way dance for the intercontinental title right on the kickoff show right away i mean that would certainly get me going
1: yeah i could either see that happening or a match being built to later on in the night i could see yeah. it happening on the kickoff show later on in the show we only I mean, there, there was a healthy Monday the, the following Monday. I mean, there are seven matches on the show, so I'm not sure how that would play out. I mean, looking fast, we had a friggin' Cesaro and Jinder Mahal match. If they had time for that, they could have time for a three-way at, at payback. So That's, we'll see. Yeah. But no, no, I like that idea a lot. We, I, I thought it was very odd that we weren't seeing Ambrose and Miz going one-on-one. Because those two, as like I talked about last week, I'm not a big fan of them rekindling their rivalry so soon after it, we just saw that incarnation on SmackDown. But that being said, they work well together. And if you're going to do the feud again, you got to conclude it. So again, maybe we see it on Sunday or the following Monday. I guess we'll see. But I, I would not be surprised to see it descend into anarchy on you know on, on Misty oh, it Day. Sounds
0: very much like Ambrose. And then we yep. have Enzo Amore and Big Cass are going to be taking on Gallows and Anderson. Um, that. I just love the 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 fact that there's a good a healthy amount of tag team wrestling and true tag team wrestling going on. No extra stipulations. No number one contender spots. You know, there's a championship match, and then there's a tag team uh, uh, classic uh, lineup match. I really think that Gallus and Anderson have uh, Cass and Enzo's number all day long. I think Enzo and Cass are losers right now. They have not shown anybody in the audience anything. But I think even even their shtick. You know Enzo coming out with his uh, you know lightsaber microphone or whatever he calls it. Um He's losing a little bit of steam, it seems. You know, do you think the road is wearing them out? And Gallows and Anderson certainly no strangers to the road, so this is old hat to them. Do you feel like uh, Enzo and Cass are losing a step or are losing some gas?
1: I don't think they are losing a step. I think they have lost a step. I thought Ooh. they kind of lost a little bit of that luster um, a couple of months ago. I mean, when they came out of the main roster a year ago, you saw it in that twenty-four special on the network, highly recommended by the way. They came in with such a head of steam, a lot of momentum. And I don't know what it was I, I can't blame the brand split I'm not sure Just a lack of real direction And only now Are they wanting The Tag titles where, were, where was this motivation For the past year And now they've kind of Faltered out of the Championship picture And they're rekindling A feud with, with the club Who also really Don't have much going on It's all about payback. We've seen this match before. We saw it at Fastlane. We saw it at Hell in a Cell when we were there a couple of months ago. So it's not the first time we've seen this match. I think it's very uh, well positioned on the kickoff show. But with Enzo and Cass, they got to get back on track with a win in this match.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about someone that needs to get back on track. Let's talk about Monday Night Raw. Um, Braun Strowman was thrown into a dumpster on Monday Night Raw by like a wet noodle known as Kalisto. Um, Braun Strowman uh, spent his, the, the rest of the evening completely uh, ripping Kalisto uh, limb from limb, stuffing him into another dumpster, which I had hoped he was going to push into a larger dumpster. <laughs> um, but uh, Kalisto was unceremoniously just completely thrown off the stage inside of a dumpster, which we've seen before. Uh, Road Dog did it and almost killed someone. So, um, but that's not the first time Road Dog's pretty irresponsible like that. <laughs> um, Braun Strowman just can't buy a win. And I don't know if that's just his general attitude or he just believes because he's so big that, you know, he's going to be able to win by default. But he keeps getting, like, stopped by tons of just rule-based stipulations. (laughs) Like, you know, don't be in the wrong place at the wrong time in a dumpster match. You know, there's only one dumpster. Just don't be over there. And in front of it, where someone can kick you into it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a a heavy hit by Kalisto. It was just a quick shot right to the thighs. Braun Strowman lost his balance for a moment, stepped down, landed in the dumpster he lost. At the end of the day, you can throw Kalisto into a hot air balloon and send him up into the sky and shoot it down with a BB gun. You still lost that match. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What what is it going to take for Braun Strowman to get some momentum going so he can find a direction right now because beating up Callisto just seems like
1: Small potatoes, you know? No pun intended. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a must-win situation for him at Payback. If he does not beat Roman Reigns, he's solidified as a loser for life. I don't care who he beats after that. He already lost to him once at Fastlane. We ranted about that a month and a half ago. He lost to WrestleMania halfway through the match. It wasn't like he was the last one tossed. He was tossed halfway through the bout. And then he lost to Kalisto of all people. It has not been relevant since Methuselah was alive. I mean, with with Braun Strowman, he has to beat Roman Reigns I think it's going to be the main event, and no stipulation. Roman Reigns will walk into this event injured coming off that ambulance attack, which I'm sure he's not 100% recovered from. So that's what he's got to do. He has to win on Sunday. Like I said earlier, he has not won a televised match since beating the Big Show in the main event of Raw over two months ago, since February 20th. That is terrible. Again, wins and losses matter. I know is the most quote-unquote dominant monster on Raw right now, and I love Braun Strowman, but maybe not always high on his actions. But I think with Strowman, he needs to win. Otherwise, he will, you know, he's will. he got to avoid further damage to his credibility.
0: Well, and he's already... I mean, again, we've talked about this before, too, but he's already damaged that credibility. A win over Roman Reigns here is not a win for Braun Strowman. He's still a loser. He's beaten Roman Reigns to the point where he's hospitalized the person. Um, and now Roman Reigns is going to come back out of just sheer, like, perseverance... To face Braun Strowman, who if Braun, even even if Braun just manhandles him, you know, a la, you know, Goldberg Brock Lesnar, Braun Strowman still doesn't get to, to scream his name and and puff his chest and say, look, look what a great job I did. He already did that job behind somebody's back two weeks ago. You know, I just don't see Braun, even if Braun Strowman wins this, which I don't see either. I think Roman Reigns comes back to a huge... You know, fan favorite return, and because uh, clearly the fans love Roman Reigns, and <laughs> um, and uh, Roman the, the big dog is going to come out with another win against this you know, career loser, uh, Braun Strowman. It's it's tough to say because Braun Strowman, you know, has every bit of the physique to be a dominant winner, and he's just not, and that is Roman Reigns. Roman re- Reigns is the dominant re- winner here. Um, and if Braun Strowman can't even defeat Kalisto, I just don't see what chance he has to really pull out a win over Roman Reigns coming back with a, with nothing but vengeance and a lot of motive, a lot of personal motivation to just get back in the ring and start moving forward with life. So, um, Braun Strowman's got a lot of work cut out for him if he wants, if he thinks he's going to use this as a stepping stone to maybe confront Brock Lesnar at some point, which Mm -hmm. we had discussed a long time ago, but is looking less and less likely that Braun Strowman is going to be face-to-face with Brock Lesnar anytime soon. That seems to be destined to be Roman Reigns' spot if he can get a win definitively injured over Braun Strowman. Um, Another fun thing that happened this week um, that has been brewing in the background a little bit involves Dana Brooke. Now, Dana Brooke uh, took on Alicia Fox, um, and uh, Alicia Fox was, um, uh, you know, spending a lot of her time on the Cruiserweight show, 205 Live. But to see Alicia Fox back in action, I was psyched about that. I think Alicia Fox brings an element of unpredictability to every match she's in. And Dana Brooke is a very predictable type of wrestler. So to see Dana Brooke uh, make pretty quick work of Alicia Fox, that kind of reaffirms that Dana Brooke's been putting in the focus and the work into that. But talk to me a little bit about Emma. Emma's role in all of this has always been of interest to me because they were so close in NXT. They came over together, and in my opinion, the two of them could have launched tag team uh, wrestling for. Uh, Women in the WWE because they just had that element of of uh, it was reminiscent of uh, Shawn Michaels and Kevin Nash. We have two singles competitors that really just look like a team together, and either one of them could be in a singles match supporting each other, or quickly be in a tag team and win the tag team titles and continue marching on as dominant competitors. And even losing those titles seems inconsequential. I would love to see Dana Brooke come back around to working with a team, but do you feel like? Her time spent with Charlotte has damaged her to the point of not trusting anyone.
1: Yeah, I mean, we talked about it, or she kind of talked about it a couple of weeks ago. I think she's kind of past the point where she's going to be relegated to the role of being someone's stooge, of being just a second-rate competitor in the shadow of Emma, in the shadow of Charlotte Flair, being you know treated so horribly by these women. I think it's time for her to break out on her own. Dana Brooke will not get better if she's just in, in the shadow of someone else. Maybe if she's on the same level as we saw with Emma many years ago when they were kind of a, a tag team, as you had said. But beyond that, Dana Brooke, the time is now or never for her to break out. If she kind of succumbs to the to the pressure of Emma and rejoins her, who's to say that she won't be, you know, mistreated once again by Emma? So I guess we'll see. But could this all be a ploy by Emma? I know she kind of hugged her on Monday. Could Emma just be playing mind games as that evil Emma we like to call her? Could she just be playing mind games with Dana Brooke? And she has something else up her sleeve and she's just aligned with someone else, like a summer Ray. We have not seen in quite some time. Could we see that from Emma as well at some point?
0: Well, that's absolutely possible that, I mean, Emma has had kind of a personality uh, disorder kind of split going on where... She was hyped to de- re-debut as Emelina coming off of an injury and went back to that kind of stone-cold, uh, uh, you know, heartless person that she is now, um, which I, I, I much rather prefer. She's, she, she's not wrong to be selfish. It's those types of opportunities in the WWE that you sometimes just have to grit your teeth and t- and take the uh, uh, the social drop in popularity to get to where you want to be. And I think that she's... I I think she's approaching Dana Brooke in in more of a you are my my equal kind of way. Okay. You know, I see a lot of Emma trying to to approach Dana Brooke and being like, look, you just won. Look at that. You don't you don't need anybody, but imagine what you could do with more. You know, imagine mm-hmm. getting that gold. You know, not having to fight your way through. You know, people like Nia Jax and all of this other stuff. Imagine you and I taking on you know, the whole competition here and we'll help each other get successful. And if we have to be the ones at the end of the day to battle for the belt, the women's championship belt, then, you know, okay. The, uh, then so it comes it. down, it comes down to two. Um, very, very interesting. Uh, another, uh, uh, shifting gears again, a uh, huge, uh, Uh, tag team opportunity that I did not quite see coming was uh, between Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho. This is the match that closed raw uh, built throughout the entire show of whether or not Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho were even going to get along because at one point uh, Chris Jericho completely walked out on Dean Ambrose left him for dry. uh, And then they had a bitter, bitter falling out leading to the death of Mitch, the plant. No, rest in peace, rest in peace. Uh, uh, I heard he got signed to TNA, by the way. Oh, I don't know. That's a a fate worse than death. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's
1: death in and of itself.
0: Yeah. Uh, And uh, then uh, Chris Jericho's light-up jacket, his light-bright jacket, uh, was destroyed by Dean Ambrose, so one good turn deserves another. Um, Dean Ambrose tried to smooth that over this week With a nice gift Uh, We saw the return of the Ambrose Asylum Which I really dig No Mitch, obviously Um, But we did have a shag carpet Um, Dean Ambrose uh, gave Chris Jericho a light-up blazer That looks like uh, he got it at uh, probably the Goodwill um and the lights probably were on it from last year's Ugly Sweater Party. But it was very – it won Chris Jericho over to the point where they could get along for at least a, a match uh, that they had there. What do you make of Dean Ambrose asking Chris Jericho to take his name off the list and Chris Jericho kind of n- writing it right back on there?
1: I loved it. Yeah, I it was, loved it. I it mean, was best. with best. With, with a company that does not pay too much attention to detail and expects us to kind of – Believe things as they happen, and not to remember things that happened six months ago. I thought this was phenomenal. You can only imagine how many people would have been just outraged by the fact that why are Ambrose and Jericho teaming up? They weren't rivals a year ago, but they didn't. I mean, they acknowledged their bad blood and the fact that the, the jacket, Mitch, you know, putting him on the list, and then he took his name off the list, and he put it back right back on like that. That was it seemed great. To, it
0: seemed to really bother Dean Ambrose that his name was on the list. It he, would bother me. It it's bother one me. of the few things that I've seen get under Dean Ambrose's skin. I think. There is a real uh, kind of. Dean Ambrose looks up to Chris Jericho in a lot of ways. They're totally different personality wise, but I think, you know, having been in the ring against each other, they, Dean Ambrose certainly knows the grit that Chris Jericho has. And he's. Jericho's just as weird as Dean Ambrose can be. So I see the two of them getting along real well, who I didn't see getting along really well, who I didn't even see. Uh, uh, working out at all was The Miz's uh, partner. Now, The Miz was handed a letter during an interview while he was being asked who his mystery partner was going to be for the evening, and he seemed uh, pretty excited about who it was going to be. Yet, when said mystery partner showed up in the ring, he looked completely puzzled. Do you believe that Bray Wyatt, who ended up being The Miz's uh, partner uh, in this uh, uh, kind of would-be tag team match, do you think that that was who the Miz thought he was going to be partnering with.
1: No, I don't think so. I mean, we were talking about this through text on Monday, and that was my—that was exactly it. what you just said. The key there was that Miz looked surprised, not by the fact that Bray Wyatt showed up, but that it was Bray Wyatt at all. The fact that he was coming to the to the again, why would Bray Wyatt of all people come to the aid of the Miz? Like, why would Bray Wyatt be his tag team partner? I don't see Bray Wyatt writing down on a piece of paper that that Miz had in his hand all night long. I'm going to be your tag team partner. Like that to me makes no sense. I think Bray Wyatt just wanted to make a statement by taking out Jericho, taking out the IC champion Dean Ambrose, and taking out The Miz, you know, before he goes one-on-one with Orton on Sunday. So I don't think he was the original tag team partner. Maybe we'll find out on Sunday or Monday.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, how Bray Wyatt comes out of this House of Horrors match. And then, you know, I I wouldn't imagine that he would bother wasting his time on someone like The Miz or even Dean Ambrose, but perhaps Bray Wyatt is going to be interested in the Intercontinental opportunity down the line. So um, the fact that there was really no conclusion to that match leaves a lot of unanswered questions going into payback about that in particular. But without Dean Ambrose on the show at all, uh, no Intercontinental defense coming, it seems like uh, uh, we're going to have to wait for a lot of those answers. Uh, Something, uh, though, that that I've been following for a long time, this uh, shifts us over into the SmackDown Live territory, but um, we have seen the signs of this for a long time. We saw it live uh, in Boston ourselves. We've been seeing this slowly build from pre-shows into a more main event status. But after uh, surviving a beat-the-clock challenge, Brizango are the new number one contenders to the SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions I think that they have earned every single bit of that. And between uh, Fandango and and Tyler Breeze, they have built a well-thought wrestling machine when it comes to tag team wrestling. Distraction, uh, devastation, high-flying, flair, taunting, and, and deception all the way around. This persona that they have as the... Fashion popos, a fashion police, this in-your-face persona, I think it leads people to believe that they're not ready to be champions to compete, and then you get in the ring with them, and it's completely different story. I mean, the the impressive moveset that Fandango brings to a match is complemented perfectly by Tyler Breeze's kicks. Tyler Breeze can kick someone in the face, chest, leg so fast and so hard that it almost always knocks his competitors down and 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 uh uh Fondango is expert at dropping that leg drop on a dime you know almost out of nowhere the setups are just so seamless that while you're paying attention to one uh person in the ring Fondango is already setting up the next move and uh, I think it's just fantastic tag team wrestling. They beat the Ascension, who have also been chipping away at their own you know goals over over this time. But on the other side, American Alpha defeated the Colognes, which was a very close match. I mean, the Colones looked at better than ever, to be honest. It was really great to see them out there um as as themselves, as just as just normal competitors. But for American Alpha to not have this tag team uh, championship opportunity, I think that's got to say a lot about where they're coming from right now. What do you think about American Alpha's uh, relationship with tag team opportunity?
1: Well, I mean, this was their first victory in quite some time. I mean, they lost the tag team titles. They lost the championship match. They lost the rematch. So the Usos have really, or rather American Alpha, have really not been doing all that well in the past couple of months. So this was a real, again, must-win situation for the former tag team champions. They came out on top. The Avenza lost to the Colognes from last week. But they couldn't get the job done. They beat them in five minutes and X amount of seconds. And, and Brazongo won their match in like two and a half minutes. Um, I'm very happy to see American Alpha seemingly back on track. I'm even happier to see Brazongo score the championship shot at Backlash. We talked about it time and time and time again. We saw it first and at SmackDown. Like you said, these guys are very deserving of a shot. And I would say they should tone down the, the, the fashion police thing, but at the same time, as you, like you said, it's kind of like a smokescreen. You're not expecting really anything from them when you get in the ring other than like Santino levels of comedy. But they go in there, they get the job done, they're so exciting to watch, there's a good chance they could walk out of Backlash out of Chicago, the new tag team champions. But with American Alpha specifically, to answer your question, um, they still have that dark cloud hanging over their head. you gotta, you got to imagine the clones are not yet done with American Alpha.
0: No, and the Usos are now sitting on top of the heap. And if they're looking down... At the rest of the division you have to imagine they're looking at American Alpha as the the real winners in this uh, number one contendership match You know because American Alpha has put the Usos uh, to task a number of times and really challenged them You know whereas I don't think that the Usos are expecting much of a challenge from Bizango and that's why I think that this is all deception It's all smoke screen smoke and mirrors to, to let people believe that this is some kind of slapstick shtick and that they're not serious. I think that they're very serious about their fashion choices. I think they're very serious about every choice that they make as a tag team because it all adds up to becoming champions. And once you're a champion, you can do whatever you want. You know, it, it makes you colorful at that point. And I'm like, oh wow, look at look at look at the fashion police as champions going around with their new authority and, and waving their power in people's faces. It only gets worse from there, and the distraction level still remains high. So they could be go, they could go on to be great champions for SmackDown. Live, but they still have a lot of competition in the Usos, American Alpha, the Colones and hopefully more tag teams developing as SmackDown continues forward. Um, another development uh, out of Tuesday this week on SmackDown Live has been the on-again, off-again a cordial to completely volatile relationship that Shinsuke Nakamura has with Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler came out and made a fool of himself, in my opinion, talking about Michael Jackson and Latoya Jackson and Janet Jackson and <laughs> all kinds of Jacksons and
1: Jackson fives, yeah. Jackson
0: fives and 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 things that kind of went nowhere and made no sense, but apparently made a lot of sense to Dolph Ziggler. Uh, it certainly didn't make any sense to Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, who's simply just kind of looking for a fight at this point, uh, especially against Dolph Ziggler. I don't see. Why Shinsuke, you know, Shinsuke apparently looks like he's ready to fight anybody. I don't know why Dolph Ziggler is taking exception with Shinsuke being around. It's not like Shinsuke has made declaration one of his intentions to go after anything that Dolph Ziggler might be interested in. So does, is this just Dolph Ziggler feeling insecure?
1: Yeah. I mean, we've seen it before. We've seen it before with him and Apollo Crews, him and Mojo Raleigh, him and Callisto. Him and The Miz last year, when Miz was on his rise to superstardom, Ziggler was was upset that The Miz had this chance at superstardom, and Ziggler did not. I mean, we've seen this multiple times with him, with Baron Corbin early last year. So Ziggler, having been here for well over a decade, is absolutely insecure in his spot, because you never know when he's going to be replaced by the next Shinsuke Nakamura, by the next Mojo O'Reilly, by the next Sami Zayn. Um, so in making a statement at... you know, And he also knows that Shinsuke Nakamura came in with a hell of a lot of fanfare. And if he can knock off Shinsuke Nakamura in his very first match in WWE, whenever that might be, that is making an incredible statement. So again, Ziggler, and beating Shinsuke and confronting him and interrupting him, he's trying to get back in the spotlight. It's like the new kid in school, all the attention's on him, and Ziggler, having been there since day one, is kind of being overlooked and being underestimated, and he's trying to get the name, his name back in the conversation.
0: Absolutely. Well, Dolph Ziggler certainly needs a win over someone like Shinsuke Nakamura to prove to anybody that he still has... The uh, the ability to steal a show, but he doesn't seem like he has the energy right now. He seems pretty tired uh, of of everything, attitudes included. Shinsuke Nakamura is nothing but pure uh, uh, unfiltered energy. So to, to just see Shinsuke get in a ring, which we did, we 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 saw, um, uh, and I was able to see Shinsuke uh, uh, face off against and spar off against Dolph Ziggler. And I got to be honest, you know, Shinsuke seemed like he was hardly breaking a sweat while Dolph Ziggler was pulling out every Dolph Ziggler movie he has, which is pretty known to a lot of people. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that continues to develop. But one thing I wanted to mention is that where is it going? Right. So we have payback this weekend. We have a backlash looming in the distance, but we also have money in the bank coming up as well. Uh, Rusev was talking about Money in the Bank uh, this past Tuesday because he was petitioning a championship opportunity for Money in the Bank for himself. And if he does not get that, unknown uh, as to what his future might be with the WWE at all, he seemed to be ready to walk away should he not be
1: allowed to compete for this opportunity. Uh, Do you think he's serious? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, Rusev... The funny thing is that when you say that, it seems like... He's been kind of a joke for so long, and he is. I mean, he's been kind of been involved in comedic feuds with Enzo and Cass and Jinder and that whole thing a couple of months ago. He hasn't been really taken seriously in, in close to six or seven months. This time around, it's a fresh start, a fresh face on SmackDown Live is Rusev, and I think if he wants to make, again, the biggest impact possible upon his arrival on the blue brand, it's setting his sights on that world championship, going full circle to what you said earlier, Tom, and that Kevin Owens, AJ, Shinsuke Nakamura... They don't really have their sights set on the top title right now for whatever reason. Rusev does. He's never been a world champion, let alone contend for the world championship. You talked about it way back when, back in September. Will it be only a matter of time before we see Rusev go after the universal championship? And now, back going into Money in the Bank all these months later, we could see him target the WWE title. So I like this new serious Rusev. I mean, not even real new serious Rusev because we've seen it before. But he's getting back to his roots, and maybe without Lana by his side, she's kind of doing her own thing and the whole dancing schtick, whatever. Maybe this is his chance to finally fulfill his full potential, being a top guy on SmackDown. Well,
0: especially if uh, Jinder Mahal is the number one contender to Randy Orton's WWE title, and Randy Orton is more preoccupied with Uh, feuding with Hornets that he has disturbed in Bray Wyatt, then um, perhaps there is a scenario where Jinder Mahal gets the best of uh, Randy Orton and walks away with that title going into the summer months. Rusev wins money in the bank and then a, a complete turn of face, if you will, for Rusev Going back against Jinder Mahal, who essentially turned his back on them, leaving Rusev completely high and dry when they had championship opportunities in front of them, and they were building towards something together as a team, to have that pulled out from under him is is just another uh, notch in the long line of things that is 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 Building towards Rusev making this, you know, make or break uh, scenario for himself. He's either going to win Money in the Bank and become the new unknown contender to any WWE title. I believe that gives him that right, or maybe it's just the the, the WWE Championship. Well, yeah, I'm sure that'll be, be yeah. explained yeah. at, at it, some yeah, point as be. to exactly what his opportunity will be. But it will be for a title opportunity, and Rusev in those moments seems to have full focus about him. It will be really great to see what happens there. And I wanted to end uh, the show today uh, with two things. Uh, first part is going to be a quick discussion of what we saw at the end of SmackDown live this week. We saw the current SmackDown women's champion, Naomi, a fan favorite crowd favorite come out, uh, against the queen of professional wrestling. Uh, I wish I could call her the, the king. I wish there was like some rank above that. You know, the, the prime minister of wrestling, Charlotte, uh, uh, she came out and really put Naomi on her heels. And not a lot of people can do that to Naomi, but Charlotte seemed to intimidate Naomi more than anything. I think Naomi is not quite comfortable yet as being a champion. She's always been used to being an underdog, whereas Charlotte only knows life as a champion. So the the fact that this match ended in a no contest with a lot of uh, disruption from Natalia, from Carmella, from... uh, 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 Tamina and James Ellsworth was there um what did you make of that final view of seeing are we seeing a new faction are we seeing just a temporary alliance you know what 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 was all of that blonde and gold doing in the ring and then Tamina was there as well
1: <laughs> in my opinion yeah it should be the latter I'd much rather be interested in a temporary alliance it brings back very bad memories of the Divas Revolution from several years ago when we had the women and. Factions, you yeah, Team Bella and Team PCB and Team That and Team Good and Team Bad and, and whatever. And don't forget the sorority, the submission sorority. Oh, God, we can't talk about that uh, for obvious reasons. But uh, yeah, no, no, exactly. So it, it brings back terrible memories of those faction wars and wrestling in the in the women's division, then divas division. But it meant absolutely nothing. It was completely pointless, and nothing was accomplished. Once the Faction Wars were over, they were like, oh my god, there's a championship. And that's when Charlotte finally went after the championship. It took like two or three months, but she finally entered the title picture. Hopefully, I mean, and that was a different time. That was two years ago, but women's wrestling has gone, has, has come so far in two years. They've the pay pay-per-views, main-eventing SmackDown now. Which should be, as you said, I want to give credit to you, Tom it should be seen as the norm it should not be a big deal well it should be it, it, we should look at the
0: the the quality of their matches and the quality of of their interactions right? right they are deserving of any of those main event spots because they're putting in all the work yep they're outshining anybody else on the roster and the more that the, the more that the main event is open to literally anyone who is putting in the work, that's the way it should be. It should, you, should, you should only ever book your shows, Daniel Bryan, Shane McMahon, uh, Kurt Angle, to build to that main event. If your main event is, does not represent the hardest working crop of people in the company, then you are d- terrible at your job because you don't get what you're building towards. Everything else outside of the championship, as Macho Man would say, is inconsequential. That's the, the number one thing to put your hands on, and every tool is a stepping stone to becoming that great. And Charlotte and Naomi have proved time and again that they are that damn good so it it, it will it'll it'll be interesting to see where this all boils over how many uh you know they are very known and still to this day as 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 many singles competitions as we've seen and have enjoyed they certainly continue to book a lot of women wrestlers into multi-women matches and I want to see more singles competition. I Wait, want clear anymore, competition yeah. to run away with the division. If yes. that means that Charlotte is the champion to beat for the next 10 years, well, someone should come along, Asuka, and take that off of her waist. Yes, yes. That's yes, the yes, way it should be. We shouldn't have to have all of these. Fatal four ways, fatal six ways, fatal ten ways. It doesn't matter. That doesn't show you who is the best. That shows you who is, you know, studied enough to get a win over somebody in a sneaky way, or the most know,
1: opportune. yeah. most exactly.
0: opportunistic, and everything. So exactly. I, I am, I am very hopeful for the future here. This is a very good sign that the main event is being preserved as a main event, and doesn't matter what race, creed, gender, or anything is happening in that main event. So long as it is undeniably the caliber match of the night. Always always debatable. Happy to debate it, but I don't think you can debate Naomi and Charlotte as, as, as a number one match with the rest of the booking that was done on that show. That was the match that should headline it did, and it, it should have been allowed to finish. But uh, obviously that was not not in the plan for Naomi or Charlotte to control. Final thoughts here. We're going to run down the payback card, and I'm just going to quickly get uh, impressions on wins and losses here because on this show, they do matter. It's damn true. All right, uh, let's kick it off. Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, who do you got?
1: Want to see Braun Strowman win? And I think he will. Bold prediction and no, because The guy's a loser, but I, I'm going to go Braun Strowman. Here.
0: Braun Strowman is a total loser.
1: I'm, I'm going to say he doesn't pin Roman. though. I'm going to say he beats him down, and that's the way the match ends.
0: I'm going to say the defeated streak for Braun Strowman is the strongest streak going <laughs> in the WWE today. And I want to see Roman Reigns a big dog walk out of there, head held high, hands fully cocked and loaded to deliver Superman punches right to the face And then we have followed up by the House of Horrors match, Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. I know we've given our thoughts here. Graham, who do you got?
1: (sighs) Randy Orton. I know the championship is on the line, so that there's a good chance that Bray Wyatt could win. But I think that a lot like Strom Maybe it runs in the Wyatt family. I don't know. Maybe it was the water they drank or something. But I feel like a lot of the Wyatt family guys are just losers right now, unfortunately. So I'm going to go with Randy Orton. I think that uh, Randy Orton
0: stepping into a, a Raw house uh, is, is without his title and, and being thrown off as he was. This oh, he week. doesn't have
1: the belt? Yeah, exactly. I forgot about he's, that. Yeah. He's
0: going to feel a little out of place, yeah. to be honest with you. And this is not his normal mode of uh travel and and everything else and i think all of those factors uh, will weigh on the champion who is a champion. He's got so much else to think about, so much upcoming to think about on the SmackDown Live side of things that I think Bray Wyatt has a uh, an op- huge opportunity here mm-hmm. to make an example of Randy Orton and show the rest of the Raw roster what he's truly capable of. And no one has seen a House of Horrors match, so who knows what Bray Wyatt is able to conjure up in a matchup like this. Moving on to the Raw Women's Championship, your favorite, uh, favorite Bailey will be taking on my favorite Alexa Bliss, do we even need to say who each of us are, are interested in here? Is, is Me, Bliss, and you, you Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, Bailey. Bailey has worked uh, tirelessly to be a, an incredible champion in the WWE. Uh, Alexa Bliss still, in my opinion, has something to prove. Uh, Bailey uh, has put her heart on her sleeve. Alexa Bliss uh, is a little more cold and calculated about these things. I think Alexa Bliss has a great champion uh, uh championship run in her already. Bailey has struggled as a champion. I think Alexa Bliss has the advantage here but Bailey has a lot to prove this is, you know, her turf. This is her uh her opportunity to stand out and stand alone. We talked about the idea of uh interference but it doesn't seem too ripe for interference in general, so uh, rare move for me. I'm going to go with Bailey.
1: Ooh, switching away from the norm. Uh, okay, I'll go Bailey too. I'm going to say Bailey, not just because I want her to win. I like Alexa Bliss. Again, I would not be upset if Alexa Bliss won, but I think Bailey in her hometown, she's still early on in her run as champion. She's defied the odds before, and I think she will again on oh, Sunday. Oh, wait, this is in her hometown? San Jose, yeah. Okay, I take when it When you all- said home turf, I thought you said, oh, oh, no. Oh, no, wait a second. You're going with the old tradition of that they lose. Oh, no, that no, Vince no. I'm them. sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to have
0: to pull back here. It has nothing to do against Bailey here, but Alexa Bliss is going to be your new champion. So t- Hometown humiliation. Tough cookies, everybody. It <laughs> happened to Sasha Banks. I watched it live. Um, uh, moving on to the United States Championship match between Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho.
1: Who do you got? I think Jericho might be on his way out. I don't think he has his eyes set on Fozzie right now, so I'm going to go with Kevin Owens, still your United States Champion. I'm going full-on
0: Chris Jericho. Ooh. I feel like he packed his bags. He had the final... Highlight reel on Raw this he did. week. He, he, did. He, he, he somewhat alluded to, you know, he pretty much basically said, my bags are packed, I'm going to SmackDown Live, this is the last highlight reel. Yeah. He didn't say it that way, I mean, he kind of kept one foot in the door at Raw, but I think the writing's on the wall, I think Chris Jericho is headed to SmackDown Live as the new face of America... United States champion, and that drink it in, man. That drink, cheer him <laughs> on, man. Cheer yeah, him cheer, on, guys. Cheer him on, man. Uh, uh, I I think that uh, Kevin Owens uh, will be burned to the point that he will pursue higher. He, he'll, he'll he'll go after the championship okay. that he is er, he is owed, and potentially as part of this whole shakeup, maybe there's a stipulation in his contract that says if you're owed a title match and it was for the Universal Title, and now you're on a brand where that belt does not exist, you know have an opportunity to enter your name for a WWE World Championship match. So I don't think it's all uh, you know, downhill for Kevin Owens if he, he loses this, but it would certainly hum- uh, give him some humility. Which Jericho we're, A.J. Uh,
1: backlash too. We
0: could Could see it. Absolutely. Now, uh, total brawler of a match here, uh, Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe. Seth Rollins used to flying around and doing a lot of high-risk moves. Not going to work on Samoa Joe. Just is not going to work. I mean, you might as well just jump into a brick wall or a pile of bricks because it's going to have more of an effect on you than it is on the bricks. And that's who Samoa Joe is. I got Samoa Joe in this match. I don't see Seth Rollins you know, coming out favorably. What do you got?
1: No, I agree. I think Seth Rollins was able to get the job done at WrestleMania and beating Triple H, but game over for Seth at, uh, at Payback. Samoa Joe wins. Absolutely.
0: Uh, and then uh, another ta- uh, championship match, the Raw Tag Team Champions, the Hardy Boys will be facing
1: Sheamus and Cesaro. Ooh. Um, this might be the most unpredictable match in the car, to be honest totally with you. Totally
0: unpredictable here. I feel For like Sheamus and Cesaro have been putting in every effort since even you know before the Hardys had arrived. And the second they did, they've been in the Hardys' face the whole time. Mm-hmm. If anyone has the ability to take the belts off the Hardys quickly, uh, certainly Hardys lose no momentum by nope. not being champions. Um, but I think Sheamus and Cesaro walk out of here champion. I, I would love to see... If that was real just tag team wrestling and it's clean and Sheamus and Cesaro like come together as now a unified Sheamus and Cesaro, which they have not been when they were holding the championship titles this would be a real turn of events for them that could set them on that course that we were talking about earlier. I got Seamus and Cesaro. I know you're a Hardy Boys
1: fan, though. What do you got? I'm a Hardy Boys guy for life. I gotta say, maybe, I mean, more or less for the past seven or eight months now, the Hardy Boys have been tag team champions in some form or fashion, regardless of where they have been. Maybe their four month, uh, four four month, four week reign as tag team champions gets broken on but Sunday, and then could we have be, new tag team champions.
0: It, it could become broken on Sunday. That's, that that streak could be it could get broken. Um, I'll the, say
1: new champions, though.
0: I'll say new champions. The, the thing that I want to I want to throw out there about this match is that they have been in a quest for gold, right? Expedition and and a, a total expedition of gold uh, across uh, many. Many, many lands. Many universes. Many universes out there. They have been acquiring gold. Procure. But once it has been acquired, how does Jeff feel about that? It's not necessarily Jeff's pursuit. Jeff seemed very happy in a singles competition match. Was that requested? Was that part of his plan? You know, it's, it's, it's quite amazing to be a tag team champion. Is that what Jeff really sees him being as a tag team champion with his brother, Matt going forward in the WWE? Does Jeff have his own thoughts and sights on things? Is, mm. is this all Matt's conquest to be, to, to accumulate all of this gold? And now that they've accumulated it, what do you do with it? You could, you only have it to lose and they've clearly lost all of the other gold that they've had, but they've acquired it. So I don't know if this is the start to seeing maybe a, a little bit of a split, in uh, uh, or something something breaks w- within the Hardy Boys. We, we, time will tell, um, but I, I'm going to pull for Sheamus and Cesaro in this, knowing that the Hardy Boys as champions are champions all day long anywhere they go. So there's, there's really no arguing with the merit and quality of the match that we're going to see there, nor is there arguing with the merit in the Cruiserweight Championship match between Neville, the current champion, and Austin Aries. Austin Aries, this is your moment, man. Um, this is, this is the moment where, uh, people are going to be behind you for the foreseeable future, or you are going to have to earn that trust back. Uh, I'm going to go with Austin Aries here. Neville has had a hell of a run as the King of the cruiserweights. Um, but, uh, the the King has to be dethroned by somebody at this point. And and Austin Aries is more than enough of a competitor and a, a step above the rest when it comes to the rest of the cruiserweight division. If he can't beat Neville, I don't believe anyone can. Who do you you see uh, winning this match?
1: It's tough. Again, a lot like the tag team title match. I do think, like we said earlier, T.J. Perkins will play a factor in the finish. And I'm going to go Neville. I don't know who it's going to be that's going to dethrone the King of the Cruiserweights. Maybe Akira. But even he is not in the level of Austin areas or the Neville level or the uh, A-double level. But I I don't know. Something is telling me is Neville's going to retain the title. So I'm going to go Neville champion forever. Well, it
0: has been an exceptionally exciting show to review everything going on in the WWE right now. Still so much confusion, I feel, as to what is happening after this superstar shakeup. It has really shaken up a lot of the boundaries of what we consider to be an acceptable match. Competitors from different brands appearing on different shows that they're not normally supposed to be on. Titles disappearing. Jinder Mahal, Braun Strowman's a loser. We'll be back with our full thoughts on what we saw This Sunday at Payback on the WWE Network. Graham, always a pleasure, my friend. You've been great. We've been WrestleRent Radio. We'll see you next week.